mercy and God's goodness and God's plan, God saw fit to give us his word. The book of Jonah, not a story about a big fish, but a story about a big God. Join us today as Eric begins a sermon series on the book of Jonah. These sermons were taken from earlier in the year when Eric was in the pulpit of Moreland First Baptist Church, where he pastors. We hope that you're edified by listening to God's Word. Jonah chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amatti, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down into, uh, into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. First thing we want to see today from our text here is this. God wants sinners to hear his word. God wants sinners to hear his word. So in other words, it's God's idea to give his word to you, to me, to our community, to the world. God is the one who thought of it. God is the one who planned it. Uh, God's the one who delivered it. He, he's the one who brought to us uh, the knowledge of who his son Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. Now, just imagine if God hadn't chosen to give, an, uh, to give us his, his word, to give us his Bible. He, he didn't have to do that, did he? He didn't have to make a way for us to have his word because the Bible already says scriptures like Psalm 19, uh, the heavens are telling, they're declaring the glory of God. And their expanse is declaring the work of His hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. So creation itself tells us, uh, 24 hours a day, who God is. Romans 1.20 says, For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. The Bible says since creation itself, uh, there's been no excuse for anybody to ever say that they didn't know that God existed. You look around and you can't help uh, but to know and understand uh, that God has created us. So if God had just made the world and had never sent us a prophet, he'd never sent us a preacher, he never sent us the Bible. He never sent us a missionary. There would still be so much evidence in creation itself that we would all know that God exists. Now, some people would try to deny it, as they do today, but we would know in our hearts that God exists. But what we would have not had was God's special revelation, His special specific message, of who He is and His holiness and our sinfulness and the wrath that's to come upon us for our sinfulness and the message of the gospel, His saving message of Jesus and His death on the cross and His burial and His resurrection. We wouldn't have known any of those things. But in God's mercy, in God's goodness, in God's plan, 
God saw fit to give us his word. Amen. But it was his idea to do so. God wants sinners to hear his word. Now, if you look again in verse 1, we see that it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amatti, saying, now, we don't have any reason to believe that Jonah uh, was earnestly seeking anything out from, from the Lord here. Now, Jonah, at this time, he was living in the northern kingdom of Israel. He was uh, living during the reign of Jeroboam II, some, sometime 700 or so years before uh, Jesus came. And he lived in a time of uh, relative peace and prosperity. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's similar to our time in our country. I thought it was interesting. Did you know in the year 1900, 56 percent of America lived in poverty? That was in the year 1900. But nowadays, that's down all the way to just 11.6 percent. So that means uh, almost 90 percent of the people in America are above. Poverty. That's not something our country struggles with near as much as, as we used to. But at, at the same time, about half the world lives on $6.85 uh, per day. But yet here we are in America. So far, you know, we're, we're doing okay. We're fairly comfortable. Uh, things day to day are, you know, easy, uh, relatively speaking. We don't... Uh, a, a big inconvenience for us is one, when one of our luxuries goes out or something like that. And Well, maybe that's pretty similar to how Jonah's day was. So it could very well be that Jonah was just living life. You know, he was just enjoying things. He was doing his day-to-day -day stuff and not really seeking anything out major to do. Not really wanting anything to do that would take him out of his comfort zone. But it was God's idea to come to him. The word of the Lord came to him, came to Jonah. Now you look at this part in verse 2, and it says there, in verse 2, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. So God here wants the sinners of Nineveh to hear preaching. That's what he desires to happen here. He wants them to hear preaching out of all the nations in the world that he could have sent a preacher to. He chose Nineveh, didn't he? Now, Nineveh, it was one of the older cities in the world. We, we read about Nineveh all the way back in uh, the early chapters of, of Genesis. Uh, eventually, after it was destroyed, the remains of the city were, were buried and weren't uncovered until just 200, 250 years ago. But... Uh, archaeologists, excavators have found uh, parts of the city and have even restored uh, parts of it. But it was a it was a very important city throughout history. It was often the capital of Assyria. Uh, that's the area that's like modern day Iraq today, and it was a wicked city. Uh, maybe we would compare it to how uh, New York City is in our terms, just a city that was busy and full of unbelievers and wickedness and idolatry and uh, sometimes just by the way we're, we're under the impression that in the Old Testament God only dealt with Israel he only dealt with Jewish people and he didn't save any Gentiles 
but we've got to understand Adam and Eve, they were Gentiles. Noah and his family were Gentiles. Uh, Adam, or uh, Abraham, sorry, was a Gentile before God turned him into a Jew. The 120,000 people of Nineveh here, they were Gentiles, and God made sure to send a prophet uh, to them. Listen, God has always saved uh, Jew and Gentile alike. Anyone who, who trusts in him, God has always been uh, an equal opportunity savior, right? He's never turned anyone away who's truly trusted in him. But God's mercy here was moved upon the wicked people, and their wickedness was so great that it came up before God. And you think about their wickedness, and maybe cities like Sodom and Gomorrah, compare that to what Nineveh was like. God had every right to just destroy Nineveh, uh, just like he would with, with any wickedness. God could have just done that. He could have just destroyed Nineveh. But instead, what he chose to do was he chose to send a preacher to Nineveh to proclaim his word, to warn the people of the judgment that was coming. So, so God decided to give his word to Jonah. He decided to send the preacher, Jonah, to the wicked city of Nineveh. He didn't have to do either of those things, but God chose to do it. It was his idea. He wanted the sinners to hear his word. God today wants sinners to hear his word. Now, our world often tries to do everything they can do to reject his word. Our culture wants us to be under the impression that God's word is hate speech. And if they can suppress his word, then they're helping us. They're showing love to us, keeping us from the hateful words of the Bible. That's just how our culture works. Some of you remember that several years ago, I used to teach college religion classes, and everything went really well with that. And I just kept getting more and more opportunity to teach and to develop new classes and things, all until one day, Apparently, a student went to the administration and said that I was portraying Christianity as somehow superior to other religions. And so here comes the administration, and they tell me about it and say, I can't do that. And the next thing you know, I don't have any classes to teach, uh, all because I, I, I dare to uh, show that Christianity may be a little different, better than the others, right? That's how our whole culture is. Talk about Jesus if you want to, just don't talk about him as any different than anybody else. Uh, go to church if you want to, just don't tell me about it. Believe the Bible if you want to, just don't shove it down my throat, right? Far be it from anyone in our culture to pretend like God's word is, is truth. But think about this, out of the billions of people in the world right now, just to bring this to a personal level, God has made sure that today, February 5th, 2023, you get to have access to His Word. Amen. Billions and billions of people in this world, and you get to hear His Word today. He didn't have to give you His Word. He didn't have to give you a, a, a preacher. He didn't have to give you access to a church. But He did. God wants you to hear His Word. To know his word. And he wants others to hear it as well. Now understand that truth today. That kind of sets the stage for what's happening here. God wants sinners to hear his word. And that brings us to a second thing 
that we'll see today from this text. God's people are responsible to go to those sinners and to cry against them, to cry against the, the sin, to proclaim and to speak against them. Now, God gave Jonah a job to do. He gave him a responsibility. If you look back in verse 2, we see that again. He tells Jonah, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. So God gave Jonah these instructions. Number one, arise, get up, be active, do something, go somewhere different, get out from your home. And then what? Number two, Go to Nineveh, the great city. So God gave him a specific location, a specific people to go to. And when we say great city here, we're not talking about how, how wonderful it is. We're talking about how uh, large it is. It says later on in Jonah that it's a three days walk across the city. We're talking about great as in terms of population and, and the culture that day and, and uh, the importance of of that city in the culture uh, not great as in good. Uh, but God wants Jonah to go there to that city and uh, really it's interesting this is the only instance of God calling a prophet to do something like this in the uh, Old Testament. Um, Isaiah, Nahum, uh, they preached to other nations but they really just kind of stayed home uh, when, when they did it. Um, even that popular missionary passage that uh, Robin read earlier from Isaiah 6. Who shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, you know, I'll go send me. Well, he still pretty much stayed home when he did it, right? He still stayed near where he was. Um, but here, Jonah is called to go to Nineveh, which is 500 miles away from where he was. Uh, just for context, I, I researched 500 miles away from here. That would be like us going to cities uh, like Toronto or Baltimore, Destin, Florida, Kansas City. Uh, it's kind of a radius of 500 miles from here. So Jonah, he was instructed to go a long ways away, especially in a day uh, before planes and uh, cars and things like that. So if you're looking for an example of what you think of when we think of missionary, uh, this is about all you're going to find in the Old Testament like that. But Jonah is called to go to this great city of Nineveh. There's a few problems, though, with Nineveh. It's not the best place to be. God talks about their wickedness here in verse 2. In chapter 3, we read about their wicked way and the violence that existed there. Um, Assyrian artwork that's been uncovered it, it it was just brutal it emphasized war and executions and uh, impalements and taking the skin off of prisoners and beheadings and all kinds of things that they would do uh, to people so it was a rough place there were a lot of people there there was great wickedness it was dangerous there it's quite a bit different from the comforts that uh, Jonah had in Israel. But this is where God tells Jonah to go to and he gives him a specific job and he doesn't send him like he's in an ambassador or going for peace talks or something like that. No, he, he tells them, you're going to go to this city and you're going to cry against it. So in other words, Jonah, you're going to go to this uh, wicked 
brutal, violent city that's full of unbelievers and idolatry and pagans. Uh, pagans that, that they believed in a fish goddess and then they had a fish god named Dagon who was a, portrayed as a half man, half fish and that they had all this stuff and just paganism everywhere and they didn't want anything to do with the true God. And Jonah, your job is going to go to this hostile environment to these people and you're going to be the only one to go and you're going to tell them that they're wrong. You're going to cry out against them. Now notice he wasn't given the job, Jonah, go and preach my love. Nineveh, God loves you and God has a plan for your life and uh, he wants you to be successful and have money and good health and, and if you want a good life like that, raise your hand. Now he didn't tell Jonah to do that, did he? He said, listen, you're going to go and you're going to tell them that judgment is coming. You're going to cry out against them. Tell them that God's wrath is coming. And I hope you're beginning to see the connection between Jonah's day and, and our day. Jonah, he, he was comfortable right where he was, but he had a job. He had to tell these wicked people that they're sinful and God's judgment is coming. And that's similar to us today, isn't it? We're pretty comfortable. But maybe the difference is, is like we're almost living in Nineveh ourselves. We're in this culture. We're surrounded by people who want nothing to do with God. And day by day, the wickedness of our culture is increasing. And we can go through the list of sins that we see every day more and, and, and more from homosexual marriage to drag queens at the children's library time to abortion to a hundred different things that we see more and more all the time. But what we've got to understand is that as the church, it's our job to stand strong against sin. Amen. We can't say that we're light in a dark world when we refuse to call darkness dark. We can't do that and say that we're the light of the world at the same time and we're, and we're salt and we're light and we're these things that God has put us here to be. Listen, I, I spoke with a man just a few days ago who goes to a particular church and, and he told me that his church is getting ready to take a vote on whether or not they're going to affirm uh, homosexuality and gay marriage. And he was telling me how many people they had to, to get to make that vote and he kind of didn't know which way his church was going to go. But, but think about that. Think about what that church is dealing with. Guys, but do we, do we want to keep calling homosexuality a sin or or should we just keep accepting it? Which one should we do? Let's take a vote. Let's raise hands. Which one you prefer? Could you imagine being to that point? Our job is to be to the, the forefronts of the lines, and we have to call good good, and we have to call evil evil. Amen. That's, that's our job. We have to call sin for what it is. We have to proclaim what the gospel is. We have to preach. We have to pray. We have to tell the world that judgment is coming if they don't turn. We're responsible for this. We're responsible to cry out against sin because we, we see that, that God wants sinners to have his word. And one of the primary ways he does that is through his church taking his word to the people. It's our job. It's our responsibility to tell others 
the truth. But there's a problem with that, and that's what brings us to our third and final point today. Even though we have a responsibility to speak out against sin, here's, here's what happens. God's people are often <coughs> reluctant to speak against sin, aren't we? We often don't want to do that. I mean, we're given the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Jesus says, go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations. Um, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. God has told us that this is what we're to do. We're given these commissions to go and tell, but we're reluctant to do so. And things haven't changed. Jonah was just like that. Let's look at what happened in verse 3 after Jonah was given his commission. Verse 3, But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down into it to go with him to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So God had told him, Jonah, here's what you're going to do. You want to arise and go to Nineveh. And what did Jonah do? He arose and then took off as fast as he could the other direction, didn't he? Just as fast as he could. He thought, nope, I, I'm not going there, God. You know where you're asking me to go? Now, later on in the book, Jonah explains, well, the reason I didn't want to go is because, God, I, I knew you were compassionate and you were going to kind of take care of these people anyway. Since I knew you were going to do that, I just you know, I didn't really feel like I needed to go. That was his excuse uh, later on. But whatever the reason uh, is, he's being disobedient, isn't he? Not only did he not go to Nineveh, but he went about as far the other direction as he could go. Uh, Nineveh was about, we said, around 500 miles or so northeast of Israel. Tarshish, as, uh, as best as people know, it was likely on the west coast of Spain, about 2,000 miles uh, from where Jonah was. Different direction, right? So instead of going 500 miles this way, he worked to go 2,000 miles that way. And, and here's how he started in that direction. It says he went to a place called Joppa. He found a ship that was going there. And it wasn't like he could just get on Google and type in, you know, when's the next boat going to this place or check flight times or something like that. No, he had to search around and figure out, hey, help me find a boat here that's going in this direction. And then it says that, you know, he eventually found one. Then it says that he paid the fare. So not only did he go in the opposite direction that God called him to go, he paid whatever money he could to go there. And his purpose for doing this it says, was to get away from the presence of God. And he thought that for whatever reason, if he could go to Tarshish, that he would be somehow outside of the presence of the Lord and God wouldn't be able to find him. People have been doing that since the beginning of time, haven't they? Adam hid in the garden, thought that a bush could hide him. Uh, Jonah thought he could travel far enough away to get from the presence of God. We do the same kinds of things today, just, just in different ways. We, a lot of times, try to hide behind our busyness, don't we? 
I, you know, I would do this, but yeah, I've got these things to do and got this to take care of and got this thing at home and my kids are doing this and, and the grandkids have this thing and you know, I've got, got my work, I've got to get caught up on this thing at home and you know, if I just didn't have all these things then, then maybe, maybe I'd have a little more opportunity to speak to people about Jesus. Either way, we're reluctant, aren't we? Um, I remember being around a Christian one time and we were speaking with a, a guy who was a neighbor to both of us. And I, I'd ask that neighbor to come to church sometime. And I remember the, the other guy I was with, he, he was just so embarrassed that I would even ask something like that. It's like, why, why, why take this relationship I have with my neighbor and, and possibly try to ruin it by asking him to, to come to church? He, he didn't want to make anybody mad. They want to upset anyone. That's what we do. We don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. We don't want to lose our jobs. We don't want anybody to look upon us unfavorably. We don't want to be looked at as unloving or unaccepting. Whatever excuse is that we have for the day, we always have one, don't we? We're all guilty of that. We always find some reason to not do it. We always justify not telling this world about Jesus or not speaking up against sin. And just like Jonah, we'll go in the other direction even if we have to pay to get there. So what's the application today? The application is this. Christian, myself included, you and I, we need to make a commitment today. We need to recommit ourselves to the task of telling the world about Jesus. We need to make it a priority. If that's something that we've not been doing in our lives, then today is the perfect day to start. Today is the perfect day to, uh, to commit to that and, and to begin making it a point to speak out in truth and in love, tell people about Jesus, to, to call good good and evil evil. And for the, the sake and the health of, of our church, if we don't start doing a, a better job with it, our, our church will dwindle down on it. We've got to make an effort to tell people about Jesus, to give the gospel to our community and to the world. Let's not be like Jonah and go the other way. Now, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, then what you need to understand from this is just like the people of Nineveh, God's judgment is coming upon you for your sin. Amen. But just like the people of Nineveh, God has given you an opportunity to hear His word today. God has been gracious to you tell you a way to be rescued, a way to be saved. Jesus died on the cross for you. He was buried and He was resurrected that third day. And the Bible says if you trust in Jesus, you will not perish. You have everlasting life. You're in the same position that the people of Nineveh were in back then. Trust in Jesus. Turn from your sin and be saved. Join us next Wednesday for sermon number two out of the Jonah series, God is able to save. May the Lord be with you this week in all that you do.